You know those moments where you think, I wish I would have learned this in school? Those are the topics that we love to talk about. Join me each week as I interview experts sharing their strategies for solving problems that us young adults will face throughout our 20s and 30s. So what are you waiting for? And if you want new episodes about adulting advice every Monday, hit that follow button. Pete, I'm excited for this conversation. So careers can be challenging, especially for early career professionals. There's a lot of questions around impact and fulfillment, work-life balance, career advancement. And when you're new to the workforce, these questions are hard to answer, especially on your own, you know, with you feeling so uncertain about so many things, which I feel like is the reason why it's very important to surround ourselves with the right people that we can confide in and help be a sounding board, which led me to you in the concept for, for this episode today, which is a personal board of advisors. So Pete, you are very passionate about it. You of course are very, you have a lot of in-depth knowledge considering you're writing a whole book about uh, creating a personal board of advisors. Let's kick things off. How does a personal board of advisors differ from just having multiple mentors? So let's think about what a mentor is. Let's think about how a couple of mentors can help. And then let's kind of graduate to step three, Yeah. right? So mentor, somebody that's going to help you progress in your career. They're going to help share insights, perspectives, and experiences. And I really think of the good mentors as the people trying to guide you on that journey, right? We're all navigating this professional path together. And some of us, you know, let's face it, we don't know what we don't know. And if we can talk to folks that have been there, done that, and they know what to do and also what not to do, then that's super helpful. Okay, so if I get one of those kind of people, what if I got a second one, right? Mentors, think of them as more uh, one level, maybe two levels above us, but they're not going to really differ that far. Typically, your mentor is going to be in your own function. Maybe they've had your same role, your same job before. They know your team pretty well in most instances. And we can have two, three, four mentors. The concept of the personal board brings more diverse perspectives to the overall equation. And so think of this as a mentor that's in your function, a mentor that's out of your function, somebody that's on your same level, somebody that's a couple levels above you, somebody that's different than you. And you can even have the different people that you go to for non-work stuff on your personal board of advisors. Maybe you even have a coach uh, that's on there. So that's kind of the, the, the difference is adding more complexity and it's for a more strategic approach to your long-term success, if that makes sense, Justin. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm very passionate about mentorship in general. I think it's important to find a mentor that you can rely on early in your career. This just feels like mentorship on steroids in a good way. Like, yes, it can be complex. Pete's got to share a whole lot of ways that you can simply create your, your board and then continue to de develop your board over the period of your whole career. But I do like it. And of course, it's successful because many Fortune 500 companies and startups have a board of directors and they rely on them for a lot of insight to help guide and kind of shape the direction of where the company is headed. Do you find that 
kind of playing devil's advocate here that the personal board of advisors is just overkill if you're not a entrepreneur or a tech founder do you feel like it's it's important for even the everyday career professional that is just really excited about advancing their career but let's just say they're a finance analyst in a in a company right now Wow, it's like you're uh, going through my my brother's resume here. Um, so let's just say hypothetically, there's somebody that's you know five to eight years into their professional journey, and they get to a point and they're like, "Hmm, I'm you know working for this Fortune 100 company. I switched. I'm now working at a Fortune 1000 company, and I'm kind of like at a, a a question mark phase in my path where I don't really know." what I want to do next, exactly where I, hypothetically, right? I'll just hypothetically, of course. <laughs> and, you know, boom, this concept of having a couple of different people to bounce ideas and perspectives off of seems like not a terrible concept, right? You have this internal struggle and you're like, mm, what is it that really gets that spark going? I don't know if I found that exact thing that really fires me up, truly. So this concept of talking to people that have been in your shoes before, talking to people that you aspire to be like. One of the things we'll talk about today when we get to the career map is maybe not having future positions, but future people mm -hmm. that you want to uh, aspire to be like. So thinking about this, right back to the, the personal board of advisors, early to mid-career, it's the concept of being aware of you don't know what you don't know. Again, but having a couple of different informational interviews, one, to explore, hearing about the paths from people that were in your role and also tangentially in your role. So like if you're in engineering, perhaps you mentioned the finance person, right? A finance person might have a cross-functional mentor that's in engineering or in law or in marketing, right? So they're one over on kind of that, that organizational chart, if you will. And they're able to say like, hey, here's kind of what it's like over here. And here's kind of what you could do as you keep progressing. Here's some of the other things to think about. And again, back to the other piece of, you know, as much as we want to plan for the future and the things we want to do, it's super important to have those voices and those personas and those guides that are keeping us accountable of what not to do mm -hmm. along the way. So this concept, right, personal board of advisors and uh, the career map is extremely valuable whenever you're in those first couple of years of your career, because there's more variables in the future. There's more question marks in the future, plain and simple. Totally fair. I think that that trumps all arguments that I have for, for going against the personal board of advisors outside of, like I said, the unknown, which is kind of how to build it, how to make the most of your personal board of advisors. The last thing I want to do is formalize this and invite all these people on and then not utilize their time or feel like I'm utilizing their time wrong, which we will get to. But first, kind of structurally speaking, you've already mentioned this functional mentor. In your book, you included 10 different kinds of people that you can have on your personal board of advisors. Can you give us a high level overview of a couple of those and then maybe drill down into one or two just to kind of talk about what that specific function is and how they can support you in your own career map? Let's have a little fun with this. <laughs> so I'm going to read off some of the short descriptions of what these are. And you tell me if you've had somebody like that yes, in your life. And you can kind of say like, yeah, I've had one of those. No, I haven't had one of those. And so then based on your responses, I'll decide which ones I dive into a little bit deeper. So <laughs> okay, like who this. knows which way this is going to go. 
have you had somebody that guided you on your path from a different function, right? So you've been in the, the tech space and kind of sales, but they might have been in uh, legal. Have you had somebody like that that sort of guided you? Yes. <laughs> okay. Maybe five to 10 years ahead of you, professional yep, experience wise? I would wise. say so. Cool. Let's call them your cross-functional mentor. Okay. Mm. I call them the specialist mentor, the outside advisor. Okay. Next one. This is somebody who's like two or three levels above you. You're not going to go to them for very, you know, tactical advice, but more so like long-term thinking. You might've called them a split level uh, in the past, typically inside your organization. Have you had somebody like this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We call him Steve. Okay, Steve, I like to call it a champion, but Steve the champion sounds pretty <laughs> solid to me, right? Okay, how about the person that signs your time card? Have yes. you had one of those in I've, the past? I've had right. a boss. <laughs> so that's, I like to call it a manager or supervisor because there's, it's interesting, you read a lot about like the terminology and the connotation of a boss, but I like to think of supervisor, right? The boss can be a superhero in your career, right? And help really get you to those next steps. They can also be a super zero in your career and really put the brakes on things. So you have that one. How about Justin, whenever you started at an organization, was there somebody that's maybe got assigned to you, you know, within one to three years of experience? Sure. Like my onboarding buddy. Your buddy. Exactly. <laughs> and so how long did you stay in touch with that individual? Um, maybe three to six months. Okay. So I, I think that onboarding, orientation, integration, assimilation process should go for 12 months. And whenever we do that 12-month process thing, right, organizations see an increase in 82% of first-year retention. Mm. So wouldn't it be great if we could invest in these people and they stay a little bit longer? So, yes. hey, there's some ROI. If you're at an organization, you're like, boss, CEO, leadership, CFO, we got to do this thing, right? Let's talk about how we can put these things into play and show that ROI, right? Let's save you time and save you money and actually make you more money. Cool. All right, let's go to the second half of this. So just to recap, we've talked about a cross-functional mentor, a champion, a manager, a functional mentor, and a buddy. Actually, we didn't talk about the functional mentor. So I'm just going to not even ask you a question. <laughs> oh, but dang it. This is somebody, <laughs> yeah, somebody that's been in your shoes before. You aspire to be like personally, professionally, maybe even spiritually, if it makes sense on that side. But they know kind of the, the steps that you're about to take. And they're able to say, hey, they ask rather. They're able to ask, hmm. Justin, did you think about this approach? What if you do this? What if you don't do this? Right? What could happen on the other side? So important that they're guiding you rather than recreating. The mm. best mentors, functional mentors specifically, right, have done it, whereas the cross-functional mentors was if you're an engineer, they're a lawyer. But the functional mentor is saying, hey, you know, I I'm not going to just copy and paste my life into your shoes. We're going to develop your own goals. So for the goals piece, which we work on with each of these board members, I call them SMARTY, S-M-A-R-T-Y. And you're probably like, yes, we've all heard of SMART goals. What's this why? Great question, Justin. I'm glad that you asked. So specific, <laughs> measurable, achievable, realistic, timely, and the why is for yours. <laughs> exactly. Because how often do you see somebody that's like, oh, I'm doing this thing because somebody else said I have to. Yep. And I've been in there. You've probably been there at some points in your career. And it's like, hold on a second is this really for me or is it not? So those are the first five. Let's get into the next ones. So have you ever hired somebody that you pay, right? The mentors we haven't paid 
to help you complete something, to develop a new ability, to achieve a certain certification or milestone, help you prepare for a certain goal uh, that you had. Maybe it's in the office or out of the office. Yes. Okay. We call this person a coach, right? So very tactical and they're going to guide us, hold our hand, but they're, again, less strategic, if you will. And again, they're likely outside of our organization. So with each of these roles, we like to think internal versus external. And this is the only one that I think, you know, should should be paid. Again, Pete's opinion here, not one size fits all. Cool. Let's keep going to this one. Somebody where you're like, hey, over the next six months, I'm going to work on this specific task or project. Maybe it's going to the gym, for example, right? And they check in with you on a recurring basis. Have you had somebody like this in the office, out of the office? Mm-hmm. Like accountability okay. partner? Accountability partner. There you go. <laughs> ding, the ding, responsibility ding. advisor. Dang, so you should have tried to let me guess on each one of these. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay. So how, how about this one? Somebody who's a super connector and advocates for you while you're not in the room. Ooh, sponsor. A sponsor, indeed. So <laughs> sponsor is a little bit different than a mentor because the mentor is giving up their time where a sponsor is giving up their brand. Mm. And again, that's the super connector piece. And they're the person that's saying, hey, you know, Justin probably should be, you know, thought about for this next promotion. Hey, I'm going on this work trip and I should bring Justin with me. Typically, your sponsor is going to be, you know, seven plus years ahead of you. It could be a little bit less, a little bit more. That's perfectly fine. And I like to have them inside your organization. Sure, you can have a second sponsor outside of your company, but, you know, we're thinking about it in that way. Your influential advocate. On, on that one. Okay. The next one, Justin, is somebody that looks different than you on the inside and or the outside. They bring different perspectives and they help you not get sideswiped by diversity. Mm. Yes. That's an important piece. <laughs> so we call this the ally. And if you want to learn a little bit more about allyship, go check out Dr. Victoria Mattingly and what she's doing uh, with her company, Mattingly Solutions. Very, very good friend, ally of mine, right? So this is something, again, like I said, it could be inside, outside. So think about these individuals that, you know, maybe it is across gender, across race, across cultural background, socioeconomic status. Maybe it's across different abilities, veteran status. There's a lot of different ways that we can find allies and folks that have different lived experiences than us. And it's something particularly important as we keep progressing. So your ally, kind of as you get into the, you know, four to five to 10 years of experience, you don't know what you don't know. And the first few years, you're just trying to figure out, hey, how to get up and running. Then in that like phase 1.5, 2.0 of your career journey, that's where the ally can really unlock some of those other things. Because, hey, what do we say a couple of times so far? I don't know what I don't know. And that's where the ally helps us out. All right. You ready for the last one? Yeah. Number 10, 10 of 10. So this is somebody that you and I may not yet have on our personal boards. So there are certain board seats that will fill early in our career, middle of our career, and later in our career. So let's think hypothetically, right? You're an executive probably over at Microsoft by this point, maybe we fast forward six to seven (laughs) years in the future, for example, and you're getting ready to go spend time, more time with your family. But we need to make sure that all that institutional knowledge and the know-how and the relationships is handed off to somebody else. 
So, and maybe there's a couple of somebody else's. And we want to make sure that you, right, being the great, fantastic, strategic leader that you are, are doing this proactively. So what do you think this board seat might be called? It's like your Padawan. Padawan, that's a good one. <laughs> you could also call this your successor or your protege in training. And along the way, we can weave in some of the concepts of reverse mentorship in mm-hmm. here as well. Mm-hmm. So those are the 10 that we go through. And I'd ask this question, have you in your experience, Justin, had one person fill multiple of those seats at one time? I, I would say there might be people in my life that could fill multiple seats at one point in time, but sometimes I almost think that it would be a challenge. Like I've, I've had the fortune of having great managers all throughout my career and it's been a blessing. And many of them have also played functional mentor or even sometimes sponsor for myself, but it can be a challenge if they're also playing the role of manager or supervisor. Mm-hmm. And that's the big piece to get across the, the, the conversation here is that we do not want to have single points of failure whenever possible. Mm-hmm. So sure, can your manager, right? That's the first and foremost responsibility on your personal board of advisors. Can they also kind of pinch hit and put on a different hat sporadically, right? But think of it, if you had your personal board of advisors and your supervisor's name is up there as supervisor, and then they're also up there as your functional mentor, and they're also up there as your accountability partner, what happens whenever you change roles? What happens when you leave organizations? What happens when that person says, hey, I need to spend more time with my family. I cannot continue to give you what you have. You just lost three out of eight, 37.5% of your board. Oh my gosh. I don't think anybody's going to want a minus 37% on any kind of a test, (laughs) right? So thinking about those single points of failure, and you might say, hey, the, the, the people listening, I'm just getting started, right? I'm coming out of high school. I'm coming out of college. I'm you know, two, three years into my professional journey. I don't have all these eight people. That's okay, right? So in the first you know, one, two years of your journey, if you have you know, one board seat or one person's name in multiple board seats, I'll let it slide. But once you get to you know, two years into your career, three years into your career, could be at different companies. That's okay really challenge yourself to find one name for each of those eight seats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if you're really embracing the concept of a personal board of advisors, the ultimate goal is diversity of thought. And if three of your eight seats are taken by one person, even if they are capable and competent to change the hat and look at it from that other seat's perspective, they are still only one person and really truly only have one perspective. So I think it's good over time to build your board into each of these just because you've given such a great roadmap into like how do you supercharge mentorship by looking for these specific people in these 10 different seats because I think these are almost all the critical aspects if you're looking for career mentors. And what you said right there, the career mentors and how do you supercharge it So there's a couple of things. It's not just what we've done in the past. These individuals can help us forecasting and planning for the future. Mm -hmm. And so one of the other pieces that we like to talk about is what, you know, you go into in the conversations with each of them. Because, hey, we're not on this session to like just talk about things. We want to give people some takeaways and some things that they can do. (laughs) So let's jump into that. Maybe we can pick two of the board seats and you talk to me or tell me how me as Justin would interact with this board member, maybe some 
potential questions that I could have from him. How often do I meet? All of the typical questions that you're typically getting whenever you throw out this concept of personal board of advisors. I'd be really curious. The two, if you want to go off of my my thoughts here, would be functional mentor and sponsor. I feel like these are two really solid seeds that I'd like to flush out a little bit more and maybe have a pretty diverse, at least a diverse sense of how I would potentially interact with each of these. So kind of starting out with like, how often do I meet with them? Is it in person? Is it remote? Is this monthly? Is it quarterly? Is it text? Is it always face-to-face? Talk me through those logistics. And then I'd love to get into a conversation about some actual questions or how do I utilize this board member? Yeah. So let's talk the functional mentor. So this is somebody that's hopefully inside your organization, right? Internal five to 10 years of experience ahead of you. Ideally, they've been in your shoes before, right? Have had that same position. Maybe they know your boss already. They know what's expected. They have an idea of what's expected of you. Uh, they've probably been through a couple of, you know, performance reviews at your organization. To answer your piece around how often you meet with them, we want to, early in our career, we're going to meet more frequently. And early on in our relationships, we're going to meet more frequently. So what I might suggest is you're going to meet every other week, right? So every two weeks uh, for the first two months, right? So those first four meetings, we're just going to to kind of go through that short 30-minute meetings that can be fine. Once we get past those first introduction conversations and kind of setting the groundwork, our goals, our expectations, because let's face it, if we don't have the what we're going to do and how we're going to do it ironed out and agreed upon early on, how in the world are we supposed to be able to succeed long term? Then we can get into monthly. And I think the monthly can take place up until that six to eight month mark. And then if you go bi-monthly, I think that's perfectly fine. I you know, really try to not let it go more than once a quarter mm-hmm. uh, with your mentor. And I really try and keep your mentor to, to once a month. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not one size fits all. One example, uh, I had a mentor, Paula, who graduated from mentor to champion. And so what that means is she just kind of got to be more uh, strategic. She got super, super busy as she kept getting promoted. And we just did a little rewiring, right? You can go through the hiring process in the book, but some rewiring of what my board is going to look like. It's okay that it changes over time. Yeah. And it sounds like it probably should. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Our lives, our lives change. Now, you asked the question about the remote piece. So, hey, we're living in a WFX kind of society, right? Work from anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I like to think of it as a story of one of my buddies who's a psychiatrist. And he's getting very involved in telehealth. And I said, dude, how in the world can you truly assess one of your patients if you're not there in person? And he said, Pete, think about all those folks that have nothing and they're not able to get to a doctor. How mm-hmm. special is it that you can give them a little bit more uh, while you know, you're not physically in person? And of course, it's not entirely the same. But think about this. If we can engage like we're doing remotely here, Justin, that's a lot better than nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Ideally, you know, you can be uh, in person with this individual at least once a year, but it's not a requirement. It's nice to have, not a super need to have. The other piece is if you can kick off the relationship and kind of meet in person before you do this thing, that's great. But try and do that either in the, the prospecting process or very early on in the relationship. It's, again, it's a very nice to have, not a super need to have on that okay. regard. 
And I want to get into sponsor or champion as well, but you honestly opened up a lot of, of doors that I know people are thinking about right now, just in terms of how do I ask, how do I set expectations? Is this formal or is this an informal thing that I just have written down on a piece of paper? So do you mind covering those topics? Yeah. So you ever heard of the term DTR? It's all over Facebook. Yes. <laughs> I'm not a big Facebook user, but it's something that people talk about often, right? Define the relationship. And some people are all about it and some people are not all about it. And the same thing goes with the people on your personal board of advisors. So it's, again, not one size fits all, like I've said about 75 times. We'll probably have to see how many times I actually say that. <laughs> we can check the transcripts. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but the interesting thing is some people just love to, to be there as a sounding board. And you can have informal functional mentors. That's okay. A question I get a lot is, do I have to say, hey, Justin, you know, congratulations, you've been promoted to my functional mentor, first, <laughs> first chair functional mentor, uh, you know, board seat on, on PTRAM's personal board of advisors. You could say, wow, that's really awesome, fantastic. You might say, oh, geez, that's a lot of work. Yes. The other, you know, response might be, I am not ready for this right now. Me as a first board seat functional mentor? No way. But if I was like, hey, can you can I bounce some ideas off you? You've been in my shoes before and just kind of want to learn from you. You'd be like, yeah. So you want to feel that out, what makes sense. And you go back to the different motivations, conversation styles, how people operate. But I think they're going to figure out pretty clearly if you keep adding some structure to this over time mm -hmm. and you keep taking the work off of their plate and you can kind of sprinkle it in there and say, hey, you know, thanks, thanks for being a mentor to me. It's a subtle way to do it. And after a couple of conversations, you might even say, hey, you know, you've really helped me out a lot here, Justin. Thank you for being a mentor. I actually have you on my personal board of advisors. I don't know if you've heard of this concept before or not, but just wanted to sort of share it with you. So kind of how can we ease into this piece? And then it gets to be up to you how formal you want to be with this process. I've done it where it's formal, it's informal. I've talked to now thousands of people. And some say, yes, you know, formalize it. And some say, no, you don't need to. I would agree. I, I could definitely see someone being overwhelmed by the ask or the thought, especially early on, whenever you're still building your relationship. I'm actually the opposite. I'm a type A. So when someone's like, hey, I'm building a personal board of advisors and I want you to fit this, can we meet twice, you know, twice a month? And here are my goals that I want to set between us. I'm like, heck yes, I like this. I'm somebody that loves when somebody puts organization and takes charge of the situation. And I think that would be important in any general mentorship, but especially in your, your concept of personal board of advisors, you can be owning the process. You can be the one driving the agenda and everything on the background. And then you can feel out with, with whatever board member that is, if it makes sense to, to make it more formal or to kind of formalize it in your own head in the background and then just kind of lean on them as as somebody that's supporting you in this journey. A hundred percent. We're steering our own ship. You are the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you asked the other piece of how do I ask somebody? Yeah. So, you know, you just did a great job right there. Hey, I am building my personal board of advisors. This seat is open. You know, I thought it might be worth us having. And you, you by this point, you've already had a conversation with them and you like them. As a person, right? There's 14 different pieces of the, the, the checklist in the book that we talk about where it kind of goes through the non-negotiables, the nice to haves. And you might do a lot of these, but it's kind of how do I actually add some more structure, right, to this to this process? But you could also say, hey, I'm just looking to learn a little bit more. 
about you know this this industry. Uh, I'm just trying to learn a little bit more from people that have been in my shoes. Hey, I'm just trying to learn about other opportunities and from other professionals from different you know walks walks of life and mm-hmm. different perspectives. And people love to talk about themselves. If we go back and look at this transcript, it'll probably be like Pete's talking a ton. <laughs> Justin's <laughs> not talking as much. So it's like, there you go. Case in point. Uh, exactly right there. But, you know, there's a couple of different ways to ask if somebody would be on the personal board of advisors. And you first, right, kind of the pre-ask is just like in dating, right? You're not going to say, hey, will you be uh, my boyfriend, girlfriend uh, without, you know, feeling out if it's a, a good fit, right? <laughs> One of the pieces is, can you spend time with this individual? Do you trust them? Do you respect them? Do they have time for this? Might not be good on the timing side. So those are a couple of ways that we can ask. Hmm. I like a couple of those pre-qualifying questions that you put out there, because even though they might be the ideal fit for you, at least in theory, if they don't have the time and they're not going to give you the time, it just doesn't make sense over the long run, probably even the short run, in all honesty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we just like in sales, right? if it's going to be a no, let's get to a no sooner. Let's yeah, yeah. not waste your time. Let's not waste my time. And that also shows a level of maturity mm-hmm. through things. You don't have to burn the bridge just because it's a not right now doesn't mean it has to be a no, not ever. Yeah. Well, you gave me your laundry list of things that's on your plate right now. You're launching a book and you have a couple of fun projects in the work and you have personal matters to deal with. And it might be that situation where I came to you and I was like, hey, Pete, you know, I'm looking for someone to fill this board member seat. I think you'd be a great fit. You might come back and tell me all the things that you have. And it could be a simple, well, do you mind if I check in with you around the first of the year? It seems like now is not the right time, but maybe in the future we can, it would be a better fit whenever you have a little bit more time. A hundred percent. And the other piece to even loosen up on my commitment is to say, hey, you know, we just want to, you know, spend 20 minutes together, right? Something less than 30 seems less ominous. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, even say 25, you know, is kind of like not that much. Do it once a quarter. I'll work with your scheduling link or your, you know, assistant or administrator to find the time. I'll send the agenda over in advance. I'll take notes. You don't have to do that. I'll send them over afterwards. So how can you make it as frictionless as possible Mm -hmm. as you get into that ask? And I love the piece, Justin, of, you know, hey, let's just revisit this in, you know, three to four months from now. You know, I'll I'll take the 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 responsibility. I'll take the action to go ahead and do that. But then actually do it, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Amen to that. What about if you are 25 and you're starting your professional career and you got the list of 10 seats and you got two of them filled and you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. You're like, man, there's nobody in my immediate network that can fill some of these other seats in terms of what I'm looking for, for my personal board of advisors, or even on the other side too, maybe I have one just really hard seat to fill. I know we haven't covered the the champion or the sponsor yet, but maybe that one's like sitting out there and I'm like, okay, I need to Of course, I think this is the indicator that you need to add somebody in your life or be looking for somebody in your life. But do you have any general networking strategies to to help build and bolster your your personal board of advisors? Networking, we can do it in person. You know, you might have some networking events. Maybe it's an alumni mixer. Uh, Just go and and talk, you know, to different people. Just build the, the relationship. Even if you're not looking for a job, you can still go and network and say, hey, you know, just learning more about the industry, seeing who's out there. And you can be clear, like, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I don't know if I'm going to be able to buy anything from you. But <laughs> if I learn, then maybe I can connect you to somebody else. And I, 
you know, just added this to the book yesterday that, you know, whenever you're at a, an event or a networking session that has booths, you know, go around to the different vendors and just talk to each of them. What are you going to find there? Maybe some other people that are also not really sure who else is in the room. Mm-hmm. In the book, I talk about the eight different personas uh, that you find at a networking event. And you can kind of see like, oh, yeah, yeah, Justin falls into this category. Pete falls into this category. But how do we, again, reduce those friction points as much as possible? Another great way is go to the the bar, right? You don't have to get an alcoholic beverage, right? You can get a tonic and on the rocks with lime uh, if you don't want alcohol. And that's perfectly fine, right? Put it in your left hand so you can shake hands with your right hand and have your, your little nap- napkin on there. And you're, you're, you're good to go. So that's kind of on the in, in-person networking side. Uh, again, you can also use uh, Eventbrite and look mm-hmm. at free events that are happening. You can look at meetups. I've done those kinds of things. You can go to your local chamber of commerce. You can go to your Rotary Club. R-O-T-A-R-Y. I had no idea what that heck what that, <laughs> that was, you know, through high school, college, first couple of years of my professional world. And I come back into the Pittsburgh area after being gone for all of my professional life. And people are like, oh, you got to come to this Rotary meeting. I'm like, what? I don't even know what that is. Is that the person that like approves the, you know, signatures? They're like, no, that's a notary, you idiot. Like, Get out of oh, here, okay. Pete. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, sir. The, Thanks for clarifying. The, the good news is, is networking is a topic that I cover pretty frequently on this podcast. We just finished up a big series in July and August covering this and I believe episode 108 is probably a good one to check out. You mentioned a couple of places you can do some networking, and, and I have a specific list. I, th- I think it was seven places to do in-person networking. Your uh, alumni association and Eventbrite were two of those seven that I mentioned. So that's a, a nice one to check out. And or this is a great first ask to your personal board of advisors. Hey, I'm looking to fill a couple more seats on my on my board and I'm looking for somebody XYZ, do you know anybody or you know, do you mind making some introductions for me just so you can just kind of jumpstart some of that networking? Yeah, I think the referral is super, super big. They're, they're already in, they believe in you, they trust in you, they want you to succeed. So I'm big on that one. Think about conferences and symposiums. Think about stretch assignments. That's another big one. And then also, there's this little networking place that never turns off 24-7, <laughs> 365, it's called LinkedIn. Yeah. Almost a billion people there at any point in time. Anybody that's out there, please, you know, connect. I think Justin will share it in some of the the, the show notes afterwards. Please connect, you know, on LinkedIn. That's the, the easiest way. And we're we're in this uh, together. Share your thoughts, comments, stories. Tag me. I love hearing about you know people's personal board of advisors coming together and their career maps as well. Right. Some of the things that you can do with the the personal board. Yeah, we're both LinkedIn power users. So it's definitely my platform of choice. But let's continue on the conversation. So we've really talked about what a a personal board of advisors is. We talked about how to build one, how to even ask members to be on your board. I want to now kind of as we're closing out this conversation, shift it to how to make the most of your personal board of advisors. And you were already giving us some context of some questions. And of course, I think with the member seats that you laid out, it makes it a little bit more obvious in, in that sense. But just kind of talking through your personal board of advisors, do all of your seats have kind of the same setup where you do the bi-weekly meetings and then move to monthly and then potentially into a a bi-monthly or quarterly? And then do you ever bring all of your board members together for a retreat or a Zoom party or something like that? So a couple of questions in there. 
been bad about giving you like three questions at a time here, but that's all right. <laughs> I, figured, I got him. I got him. I'm, I'm big... just giving you jumping off points. <laughs> so let's talk about how to make the most of your personal board of advisors. I'll, you know, hit on that concept of a career map a little bit more. Yeah. I please. think there's a lot more. We could probably have a whole nother session on this at some point, but your career map, very simply put, is what you did in the past, what you're doing now, and what you're doing in the future, right? Think of the jobs. Okay, cool. Let's go to career map level two, 200 level course now. Let's uh, break this up into the jobs and positions and organization that I've had, that I have, and that I want in the future. Hmm, in the future, Justin, I might not go exactly on that planned path. We know change is the only thing that's for certain. So I want everybody to think about this. What could be option A, option B, option C, option D for that next job? And then that role after that, right? What is option A, B, C, D? Cool. Let's go and add another column to this. What are the different education and certification pieces I need to get over time? Let's add another column. What are the skills and tools that I need to develop over time? Another column. What are the different achievements and accomplishments? You may add in location and industry and salary. And the one that I didn't have on my career map in 2017 is the personal and fun stuff and the things outside of work. Mm -hmm. So again, we want to be thinking about what did I do in the past? And I, I like to start it at like age 18-ish, right? The approximate age of graduating high school. If you're in college putting this together, sure, maybe you go back a little bit before. But you know, if you're younger in your career, less experienced, then you're going to have more in the future section. If you're more experienced, then you're going to have more in the past. But there's always a future ahead of this. I did a, a workshop last week for uh, like a, you know, 15 CEOs. And they're like, oh my gosh, what do I do in the future? I'm like, well, how can you pay it forward? How can you go from CEO to board member? How can you be guiding others? And maybe that job and position piece isn't really progressing as much as you might think. But how about all those other columns of the career map, right? And how are you paying it forward to, to other people? So that's a, a, one of the ways of how to make the most of your personal board of advisors. Uh, let's talk about how the frequency changes over time. Mm -hmm. So we get into some of those champions and sponsors. It's going to be really difficult to say, hey, you know, Mr. Mrs. Uh, CFO of this Fortune 500 company, I'd love to have 30 to 60 minutes of your time this week and in two weeks from now. Let's hope they don't show you the door right, right there, right? So notice what I did there. I was kind of demanding rather than asking. And so those are a couple of things of what not to do, perhaps. So in some of those more strategic and higher up roles, maybe you can start off meeting monthly, and then those might go to bi-monthly and then quarterly. But again, any of these board seats, I really don't want you to go more than three months without meeting with any of these different individuals. Mm -hmm. And ideally, you know, again, we're still starting off with, with in-person piece, but let's just kind of talk through it. The buddy is probably going to be the, the buddy and the, the, the supervisor are going to be the most frequent that you're going to talk to them. Your, your boss, hopefully you're talking to him or her every week, at least uh, every other week. And where you're like, hold on a second, why in the world is the boss on the on your personal board of advisors? Uh, that's because that's your person that sets your expectations. Mm -hmm. And if you're misaligned on that, super, super important uh, that I know what's expected of me. And the best bosses are going to help you build out that career map and then help put you into those different positions over time. Yeah. And not to cut you off, Pete, but somewhat formalizing this board seat for them will actually help remind you that that is also part of their job, shaping and morphing your career path. And you should be utilizing them for that because what I found in my own personal experience with my manager too, sometimes we get so caught up in the day-to-day, -day, what do we need to get done, checking off the to-do list type things, hey, what's the status on that project? 
And in our one-on-one connects, we forget to have the conversation about what's a career obstacle that you're having right now? What, what's future thinking? What are you, what's getting you excited? Where do you want to still develop your skills? Like those kind of conversations. And I think kind of formalizing and putting them on, on the board like this allows you to segment out their kind of responsibilities and your role on the day to day. This is me and manager and then their role and responsibility as manager on my board. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I think it's, again, something to try on for size and see what works. Again, you don't want to overwhelm any sure. of these individuals, especially your, your manager. And you also don't want to come off as like, oh, you're doing all this other stuff, not your work. So again, kind of ease into that. But at any time you can tie more of your professional development and growth into those plan sessions and have those plan sessions, right? Yeah. All these different conversations and the frequencies and everything, these are the planned things, not the... Uh, you know, sure, you can have the, oh, yeah, let's just go. We're both in the, the cafeteria together if that ever happens. Both at the water cooler, right? If that ever happens, mm-hmm. then you can still do those other things. You can do more. You can do a little bit less. But really set this side of time, set this time aside for your uh, professional development and that, that time and growth. Makes sense. You asked the piece about the retreat. Mm-hmm. So let's say, hey, I have, you know, maybe six to 10 people on my personal board of advisors and they're likely not all in the same geographical area. The, the cool part about how you can add value to the board is by asking who's on their board, right? Asking, what can I do to help you, Justin? You've been a fantastic champion for me uh, over the last 18 months. And you know, a couple of times I asked how I can help you. Who's on your board? Do you have any open seats? Because here's a couple of people that may be valuable to you. To meet, and then again, the referrals to the other folks can really be helpful. So, yes, I've had you know in-person retreats. Yes, I've had virtual retreats, but it's one of those things again. Back to that DTR. If they didn't sign up for you know this extra meeting and this other stuff, don't don't worry if they can't make it. Right? If you have six out of the eight board members, that's still seventy-five percent. You know, maybe that's not a good enough grade in the classroom, but seventy-five out of a hundred for this kind of attendance piece, I like that. That's a good seventy-five. So it's one of those pieces that, you know, and then they can build on that diversity of perspectives and those other experiences about what's best for you, Justin, the individual, the person at the middle of your board, right? The CEO of you, and they can build on those uh, while together. So there's mm-hmm. a lot to be said about it. But the biggest thing, if you're going to do, uh, you know, the retreat, make it super easy, make it super simple. You know, maybe you start off with a, 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 a hybrid, right? Hey, we're going to do this virtually. I'm going to be, you know, in this office room or this office building or some quiet place. I'll order us dinner. You know, if you're not going to be here in person, I'll DoorDash or Uber Eats something to you, right? That's a cool concept as well. Because again, we can say thank you. And sometimes I've had like the champion be like, no, 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 I'll cover the, the dinner. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> right? Not, <laughs> not mad about that. But then remember, we're going to pay it forward, right? Once we get to that point of like being able no to, doubt. you know, we're on the board of others. Like, hey, I remember what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah let, me, let me get this one. I got you. <laughs> Pete, talking of uh, paying it forward, let's, let's close things out. Talking a little bit about your book. You know, we just scratched the surface of this concept and you were generous enough to dump and organize all of your thoughts into one book. So can you tell us what the book is? When can we expect to buy it? And you know, what somebody, if, if they picked up the book, can expect to get from it? Yeah, so you did a fantastic job walking us through this conversation today. 
and think about the, the book as this kind of information in much more detail, following through, hey, build on this, build on this, build on this, build on this with a couple of different tech tools uh, that help you with tracking this. Maybe you have a couple of people, pieces of paper in front of you, right? Imagine if you could do that on your phone. Right. Instead of tracking those different uh, pieces of paper over time, the board, the personal board, the, the career map. Uh, so the book is Pathfinders Navigating Your uh, Career Map with a Personal Board of Advisors. It will come out this fall, 2023. Uh, this is the first book that I'm publishing. And so I'm learning a lot. and would <laughs> love to hear from other folks going through this uh, first time author uh, journey. But, you know, please stay tuned for more information. You know, Justin's taking a look through some of the manuscript right now. And everybody's part of this story, right? There's plenty of things that I don't know. Sure, I've had a lot of really cool experiences and have literally made 39 notebooks and thousands of conversations around the globe on and off the basketball court uh, <laughs> later. But it's really just saying, hey, I, I agree with this concept. As I went through those board seats and those different kinds of people, right? I think you're a little bit of an anomaly, but I, you you've done a lot of those things. Let's just add a little bit of structure. So once again, that's Pete Schramm. His book is Pathfinders. It will be out this fall. If you're listening to it and it's already out, go check the show notes. We'll put a link into it where you can uh, either pre-order and or buy the book. Pete, man, it's been such a pleasure. I think this is probably one of many conversations you and I are going to have. Maybe we can collaborate on some some more content in the future since we're, we're so aligned in, in who we're supporting and what we like to support with. But my final question for you, if you had the opportunity to teach a 16-week class to a group of graduating college seniors on a topic that isn't covered in the classroom, what would you teach and how would you teach it? Yeah, so it's it's what we just went through here, right? And, I figured I, this was an obvious one. Yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes I, I talk to some people and they're like, oh, they got something that's way off off topic. And other people, I'm like, they're they're playing in their lane. Like they're already kind of speaking what they're, they're trying to teach. I mean, outside of like doing some pottery or some stone sculpture, or like <laughs> chopping wood, right? Those are things that I love to do for fun. And I kind of take for granted. And other people are like, hey, can you teach me how to do that? in the classroom, right? Because I don't have all those implements and uh, safety things there. <laughs> I like to really, and I, I started doing this at undergrad level. I used to teach, you know, while I was in DC, I absolutely loved it. Uh, now starting to get into, you know, some uh, co, I don't know, it's like the step under adjunct professor. I don't know what it is, but like in <laughs> business schools, right? But yeah. it's like, hey, can you come teach a couple of classes? I'm like, yes, this sounds awesome. <laughs> and it is exactly that, right? Where we go into these concepts and then we say, hey, you got a little bit of homework. And then you go and build out, you know, uh, board seat one, board seat two. And there's a lot of different things of us, you know, working together to, I, I like the, the classes whenever in the sessions and workshops where I'm not talking that much, right? But it's the, I'm, I'm just kind of the guide and the facilitator and everybody else is able to build off of one another. Because again, what did we talk about earlier? That diversity of perspectives and of thoughts, right? I'm Pete and sure I've done a lot of things, but everybody in the room, the collective is much more powerful. So if there's any, you know, grad level classes out there that are looking to add some pizzazz to their program, you know, may, hey, maybe Justin and I can collab on one of those sessions. That may be kind of a, a cool <laughs> 60 week session. Who knows what's coming ahead? <laughs> well, Pete, thanks again. I really appreciate it. This has been a fun conversation. I love the concept. Uh, I'm super excited to start putting my board together and, and probably picking your brain. But once again, you can connect with Pete on LinkedIn. Uh, he's very active over there. So if you have a question before the book rolls out, feel free, connect with him and, and shoot him a question and then tag us both if, if you're building your personal board of advisors. Pete, thanks again, man. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, everybody. 
All right, guys, man, that was fun. So I met Pete, I don't know, a month or two ago, and he brought this concept to me. And I was like, yes, this is right in our wheelhouse, exactly what I love. Two concepts that I talk a lot about with mentorship and networking, it puts a lot of organization and framework to it. I love all the seats that he laid out for your personal board of advisors. And if he didn't already hammer this home, you don't have to have your entire board built out right from the get-go. Don't be overwhelmed. I think this is just a starting place for you to get going and to put some structure and organization and kind of start owning your career map. So if you want to continue to follow along in this series, which is your map to professional development, hit that follow button. And until next time, love y'all. Thanks for listening to the episode. As always, I appreciate your kind words. If you want to leave us a rating and review on your podcast player right now, that would absolutely make my day. If you want to find episode show notes, our blog, and other great resources, head over to tsirpodcast.com. If you have follow-up questions, an idea for a future episode, or just want to say hi, we have a contact form on our website and those messages go straight into my inbox and I promise you, I will reply. But all right, guys, I really appreciate you tuning in. I love you all and you're not alone. Let's keep making it through our struggles together.